Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Towards God. You just see it happening. Amen. Now, I pray that America, we get the revival without it necessarily needing the lockdowns, right? <laughs> are we smart enough to, amen, turn to God? But I just saw it. These people, they, where else do they turn? They have, they have no recourse. They have nowhere else they can go. They will go to God. Amen. And then they will find true joy, rest, and peace for their soul. That a country or a government cannot provide. I mean, look at the revival that's flourishing in China, in places where it's forbidden, right? And so, as Western Europe and the United States, we've kind of gone soft towards God as a whole, as a people. These other places, there seems to be tremendous revival that has broken out. So, God, I believe, is doing something great. Amen. But I want to talk to you tonight about this. A purposeful experience. A purposeful experience. Now, I, was, I had this thought running around in my brain for the last couple of days because I felt like that I was going to get an opportunity to speak up here tonight on the business meeting. And then... Uh, uh, Brother Grant called me up and and said he wasn't going to make it, and he said, "Well, Brian has got lesson for next week, but I don't know if he's prepared for it." And and, uh, and I said, "You know, hey, no, I, I already got a thought, and I already got something lined up." So anyway, praise God. So let me ask you a question: Where do you like to eat at? What Chick Fil A? Who said that? Chick Fil A. Where do you like eating? Oh, that's a good one. I'm t- but but physically, physically. The teriyaki grill. Oh, parents' house, preloader. All right, he's cheap. Okay. <laughs> I, I need to stop being nice to my son. Don't get offended. I got to be careful when I do that. He loves me. I love him. He wants one of those. Is this Kathleen? Kiko's. Now, you don't know what Kiko's is unless you're East Kennewick, right? Or EKU. If you're EKU, and if you don't live, if you if you're if if you don't live in Kennewick and you're not under the age of 30, you probably don't know what EKU is. So let me talk to Brian about that. Oh, I didn't say it. Ooh, Fujiami. Brother Mark. The what? I've never. Is that the place behind the mall? Oh, that one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Elephant. I've never been there. I I don't think I've ever had Thai food in my life. Am I missing out? <laughs> well, that's what we're talking about. Any other? Any other ones? Panda Express. 
How about shopping? DSW, right? Anybody shop at any of these boutiques? No? Okay. Goodwill? H&M? What's H&M? Oh, okay. Okay, all right. So there's places that we like to shop at. So let me ask you this. What are the, the key components? When you think about that favorite restaurant that draws you back, what is it about Chick-fil-A? What is it about the elephant tie? Is that what you said it was called? Thai elephant. I got it backwards. What What is it about mom and dad's house? What is it about? What did, what did you say, Courtney? Fuji? Oh, well, we know what that's about. I got videos on Fujiami. But what is it that draws you back to that? Okay. Survival, in some cases, it could be, right? You know, companies, <laughs> co companies, companies spend millions of dollars on how to create an experience that will bring you back. They will spend millions of dollars in creating an experience. Even in my own business, I think about What's the experience that people are going to have when they meet with me? Right? So I'm mindful of that. I'm purposeful of, of that. And these companies don't make millions and billions of dollars just because they're lucky. No, they're mindful. They're purposely working towards an experience that will bring you back. Right? Fujiamis, what an incredible experience. Has anybody not experienced Fujiamis? Oh, boy, it's so much fun. Bring your wallet, okay? Bring your wallet. It's worth it. We go there, we go there quite a bit. It is a lot of fun, okay? Fujiami's is a lot of fun. And so, but it's, 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 it is such an experience. And it will draw you back, and you will pay for that experience, right? So... How about McDonald's? Every day. The most successful restaurant in the world. Why is it? I believe it. It is. It's quick, right? Great sizes for kids, a McFlurry machine. You know, here's the thing is Ray Crockett, right? He was the one that turned McDonald's into what it is today. He bought it from the two Mac brothers, and he was a genius in that he decided that he would have a limited menu, 
and that every McDonald's would be the same. Now, that would be hard to do. Nobody had ever done that before, that you could have a restaurant in the Midwest, and it would have the same food prepared the same way down in the South or down on the West Coast or even in the East Coast. So he made everything the same. They were all serving up different types of French fries. He brought them all in, tried them, and he got them all from one producer out of Idaho. Made them all the same. He would walk into restaurants, and they had barbecue or something like that. He would threaten them to pull their franchise if they were putting additional items on the menu. He knew that people wanted to have a good product that they knew every time they came in what it was going to be, whether they were in California, Idaho, or whatever. Right? So he was purposeful in that. How about Les Schwab? Right? Les Schwab. What, what kind of experience do you get at Les Schwab? You popcorn? You walk in, you get the popcorn, you pull up, and someone's running at you, and you're like, okay. He's pretty excited about helping me out. But that's, that's how they do it. They create this experience. They create this experience that they're going to take care of you, even if you're not one of their clients. They're just going to take care of you. Brother Mark. Do you know what? They're all like that. That's because Les Schwab, he was purposeful in, here's how we're going to run this, and here's what we're going to do. It doesn't happen by chance. So how about the church? What type of experience do we want people to have when they come in? What type of experience are we are we mindful of it? Are we even on the same page? Do we know what it is? I mean, these are, I think these are things that are really important. And so I want to talk a little bit about that tonight here. What are the key components of making that work? What did you say? Welcoming. Well, so let me ask you this. What's more important, the building or the people? Are you sure? <laughs> Good. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm, here's what I'm going to say, is I'm going to say they're both equally as important. It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly. You can't have one without the other. You can have a great building, 
But if you don't have the right people, they're just not going to stay. And you can have the right people, but if you don't have a building, that's only so long they're going to come to your living room. It's only so long that they will come. Now, it might be different in Africa, but in America, it's only so long. I've heard people say, well, you know, that church's got wooden pews. That church over there's got padded pews. <laughs> What's that? You do. You do. And plus, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to put a drum set in there for worship service. It's not the same. I've done it. It's not the same. I mean, you might have an occasional good home service, but it's not like our worship service here. I did it for a year. And I put everything into it. And it just well, it wasn't the same. We had great Bible studies, and we didn't have what we had. Okay? But you need both. Now, you might be struggling with that a little bit because I, I'm very reluctant to go here, but I am going to go here because I'm really not into this personality business. I, um, and so I'm not going to go into personality, but I'm going to go into something else. I'm going to go into how you were raised. Have you ever heard of something like the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, right? And I taught a whole lesson on it a couple of years ago, and I'm not going to teach on it tonight, but I will say something I told Ben. How do you know what you were, what you are, right? Well, a good way to know is, is this. If you were brought home, well, let's say, let's go like this. If, if you were born in a house, you're probably what was called the silent generation or the great generation. <laughs> if you were brought home as a baby, wrapped up in a blanket, held in your mother's lap on the front seat of her car with no seatbelt, you were probably a baby boomer. If you came home from the hospital and you were born in a birthing center and you were in the back seat in a car seat facing backwards, you were probably a Gen Xer, right? Now, if you got your first baby from the pet store, you're probably a millennial. Right? Because they don't have babies till they're like 30. <laughs> and if your first baby was an app on mom and dad's phone, you're probably Gen Z. <laughs> right? Do you got a little kitty cat or something, a pet you take care of? I know Fifi and Gigi do. That's their baby. But see, times have changed. And so the way you grow up, you value different things. Baby boomers. Not as a whole, not, I'm not going to say everybody, but most of them value possessions. A lot of them didn't grow up with a whole bunch. So they're really good savers. Right? They, they save more than they spend. 
lot of them have more money in the bank than they know what to do with. They're really good savers. They didn't get a whole lot. Whereas, on the other hand, millennials, they value experience, experiences, more than possessions. In fact, they kind of think a big house is a waste. You don't really need that. You can have a tiny house and have a smaller footprint. There's a lot of thinking like that. But think about it this way. Let me give you an example. A, a boomer, when they grew up, rarely ever got an award or a trophy or anything like that. And if they did, there's a great possibility that maybe they got one trophy or one medal all of their life growing up, and they probably still have it. In fact, if they complete a course, they will take that certificate and mount it up and frame it and hold on to it forever. But a millennial has received so many awards for participating, they don't even keep them. My kids have, do they get an award? They leave it in the car. I mean, even if, it's a, even if it's a big trophy. Right? So these kind of things mold our, our perspective. So some might think that a building is more important. Some might think that an experience is more important. And then there's the Gen Xers in between the two. Right? And sometimes they're good at one and sometimes they're good at another. I don't know if it's good or bad, but and I think we need both. We've got to have both. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Oh, Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, and then 7 through 8. Listen to this. This is this is after the exile, 70 years of being carried away into Babylon. And the Lord says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. He says the people are there, and they're saying it's not time to build the Lord's house. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie in waste. The Lord says, look, you've got your homes, but my house lies in waste. Look at verse 7 and 8. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. These are his people he's talking to. Please go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. Well, I really think that there is there there's this thought that the building, the physical building, is not important to God, and I I I just don't align with that. Amen. I know that individually we are the church and. And that know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, and if any man defileth the temple, the same God shall destroy. I know those scriptures, right? 
But I believe God wants a place where his people can come together and he can minister to them either through the spoken word or by his spirit. Amen. And so here he's rebuking his people. He said, where's my house? But then give me Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13. Now here they had a building, a great building. And this is Jesus, the Lord. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You've got to have both. You've got to have both. I think the key is, well, before I say that, let me say this. In Psalms 27, David says this. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, a full belly, a soft bed, big car, nice home, big bank account, sons and daughters, wives. No. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days, there we go, of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So my feeling is, how do we get people like Ray Crockett with McDonald's, how did he get his customers that all they could think about, I got to get some fries. We, what I, what, this is what we want. We want people, when they leave, they think, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell at the Tower of Pentecost all the days of my life. This Amen. This is my desire. What is it? How can I help in that process that when somebody comes in that they say, I've never been to a place like that. I, I want to go back. I'm telling you. This can be achieved. Amen. Psalms 127 and 1. The key, I think, is this right here. I've, I've learned this. Except the Lord build the house. So all we got to do is follow his blueprint. Right? If we do that and give him the credit and the glory, oh, there's nothing that we can't accomplish. I believe it. Now you're going to see some plans next week. And they're phenomenal. And you might think, oh, boy, that's a pipe dream. No, it's not a pipe dream. That's the church's dream, right? And I know it can happen. Amen. So let's talk about this for a moment. What does God want people to experience when they come in to this house? 
his presence. Yeah, you. I mean, that's got to be the, the first thing, right? You're feeling the presence of God when you come in. It's characteristics, okay, such as love, joy, and peace. Now, how might, how might somebody perceive that when they come in? Yeah, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you scream louder than everybody else. You tarry at the altar longer than anybody else. No, if you have love one to another, John 13, 35, right? He said, by this shall all people know that you're my disciples, that when they come in here, they feel and experience a wave of love that they have never experienced in their life. Not a critical spirit. Go ahead, Brother Kelly. That is it. Boy, you're right. It starts in the parking lot when they pull up, right? Is there trash everywhere? No. That's why Brother Mark is so faithful in what he has done in maintaining the building. Brother Kelly, same way. They, they are boomers. They see value in the possession in the building. You, you need people like that on your staff. And then millennials. They see the value in the experience of what people are going to feel in forms of relationship, in meeting with one another. So they bring another set of tools and uh, other things that the church desperately needs. And all together, it is a recipe for success. It, it really is. So... Allow me here to give you a few of these. It is a place where God can meet with people. Right? People, when they come to church, they know they're in a different place. They know they're not in a haircutting place. They're not in a restaurant. So they either are expecting to meet God or maybe they think, well, who knows what they might think. But God is able to do great things in this place. And he wants to show his glory to people as they come in to this place. 
It's a place where the church can gather as a whole. And we know the scripture, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves as the manner of some is, even more as we see that day approaching, right? And, and so it's got to be a safe place. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. People need to feel safe when they're there, right? They've got to feel safe. It's got to be a place of refuge. Is my refuge and strength. There are times when it's just like, oh, it feels so good to be here in church, right? It's, it's got to be a place of, of refuge. It's a place of learning. It's a place of growth. And we don't want to belittle somebody for maybe not their, maybe they don't have understanding that we have or that we do. They may not have a revelation that we do or we have, right? So these are things. Are there any others that you can think of? Yeah, that is a, and, and that's, that is, that is, that's wonderful, right, that you're at that place, and where you have submitted yourself to the will of God, and God is now giving you the delights of your heart, amen, in that, and, and so, and you may not have that right when you first start. You know, we lead songs and we do all this. But you let God work and you see what he is able to do. How about some things that we don't want to have? He mentioned them the other day. The pastor did on Sunday. Strife. People got enough strife in, in the world. The last thing they want to see is Strife, clicks. They don't. They don't want to see. Uh, they're already getting judged out in the world. They don't want judgment. Critical. Critical of one another. I mean, and and the pastor mentioned it Sunday. Boy, did you get a sense of? How serious he was on Sunday? I mean, wow, you talk about, he, he was really serious. Stirred up. He is really stirred up. And, and so, I think as a whole, we've got to determine in our hearts that we be purposeful, mindful, 
of creating this experience for people in in the temple. Create a place of worship. I want to be worshiping, right? I want to be worshiping. And, and, let the, and let the Spirit of God move upon you. Even if it means tears, it's fine. I'm going to let it happen right in here. And, and try to let God move. Amen. Because the bottom line is God wants to fill this house. It's not his will to, to keep it at 70% full. Amen. He's grateful for all of us, but he wants new babies coming in. Amen. And that's why he's planted the seed in this church to build something bigger than this for his glory we could have a place here that people can come to and experience every attribute of him through us. Isn't that what it's all about? Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for everything that you're doing here in our midst, Lord. God, we desire to manifest your presence and your spirit to everybody that walks in through these doors, Lord. Pray that you would help us, Lord God, amen, to be purposeful and mindful of this, Lord, and realize that we are just stewards here, Lord God. I pray that you would just continue to bring in the lost, Lord Jesus, and give us wisdom and, and a heart of understanding, God, that we could direct these people and they would feel something that they have never felt before in their life. Pray, God, that you would keep us all in a place of safety. Bring us back, amen, the next time we get together. And bless our fellowship, Lord God. Manifest your glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate each and every one of you. God bless. Amen.